You're listening to Halloween, the definitive companion with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're following the serial killer and drifter, Michael Myers, as he's brought back to Haddonfield by his mum and a giant white horse. Daniel, what is the premise of Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie? One year later, two years later, I don't know. Michael Myers is now a drifter wandering the countryside. Prompted by visions of his dead mother accompanied by a white horse, he returns to Haddonfield once again. Is it bad that I like the drifter thing? I don't I mean, it's different. I've not I, had it before. I really like it, but then it strangely humanises him, doesn't it? Because well, it's like the Incredible Hulk TV show. <laughs> that's Bill what Bixby. I feel like, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's a lonely man. Right, I kind of like the coat and that he's got on. I like the, I like the look of it. Do you not think he looks a lot like David Harbour? Uh, he looks massive, innit? I yeah. keep thinking it's David Harbour with thing his is, big he's, hair That's beard. the thing, it's what we talked about last thing. He's too big. So when you walk around, you, it's not like you can fade into the background when you're that kind of massive. So he's drifting all around. He must be having a terrible time as a drifter because no one is picking him up. I want to watch that as a TV show, him just going from town to town, killing killing people out of their problems. (laughs) That's a weird shot when he's walking across the field. Mm. Presumably back in 2009, that wasn't a drone shot. It was a helicopter shot. No, maybe they have drones in 2009 for for films? I don't think so. I don't know. You know the shot I mean where it kind of like goes right past it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird shot. It's really... Sweeping. Mm. <laughs> I, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of really good stuff like that. I mean, um, there's a load of shite in it as well. I like. I like all the van. I like all the walking bits. I like. I like all that. But it I means, mean, is there any place for a Halloween film? Well, this. I think this is the problem, isn't it? Like, so the film opens with a quote from a fictional book called "The Subconscious Psychosis of Dreams." Yeah. It says the White Horse. Linked to instinct, purity, and the drive of the physical body to release powerful and emotional forces like rage with ensuing chaos and destruction. Mm. I never really get a good grip on the horse no, throughout really. the entire thing, and it's laced throughout the entire film. I don't know what film Rob Zombie thinks he's making. I think that's the point, isn't it? He thinks he's really clever. So to follow on from the last film and last week, yeah, this continues this idea of humanizing Michael Myers to give him a psychological grounding. Yeah. He was a killer. He had a, a predisposition to violence, but also he was raised in the perfect environment to become a serial killer. Yes. He was human in the last one. We actually said, is he pure evil? Mm. In this one, suddenly he starts to introduce supernatural elements. Again, yeah. Which I find really confusing because suddenly Michael now has some kind of empathic, psychic relationship to Laurie. Yeah. Which we've had with... Daniel Harris's character yeah. and Michael Myers in Halloween's four and five. Yeah, that's true, actually. So he's yeah. almost regurgitating an old idea. Yeah. I don't mind it because it kind of, you know, it answers a lot of questions like, how does he know where she is? How does it, you know, I kind mm. of like that idea. But I think it just never puts his balls to the wall. It never says, this is what's happening, I don't think. I think it kind of like shies away a little bit and doesn't go just all out with it. Even though it's one year later in the theatrical cut. And there are several differences, particularly the ending we'll get onto later. Yeah. But this puts it two years later. Yeah. I don't know what the... <laughs> Why? Yeah, maybe just, is it too cute that it's exactly one year later? But then it's weirder that he's just been AWOL for two years. Yeah. So it is a direct sequel. A lot of the same people return for this one. Yeah. But we find a lot of the characters in very different places. We do, yeah. L- Laurie is, at least in the Homence one, which is... This is the version we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's the yeah, one yeah. that 
people will primarily watch these days. Yeah. Laurie is properly traumatized. Two years later, she's living with the brackets. Yeah. And she has been obviously physically and emotionally scarred by the events of two years ago. Yeah. Like she snaps at Annie. One day at a time, babe. One day at a time. One fucking day at a time. You know what, if I hear that fucking phrase one more fucking time, I mean, she just fucking sits there in her fucking leather chair and judges me like she's fucking God. It's her job, Lori. Lot of effing and jeffing. Lot of effing and jeffing. Lot of... I sort of touched upon it last week a little bit. Um, I guess we can talk about it more. There's so many scenes that I just think Rob Zombie, like, you can just see him doing, like, yeah, a cool face when he moves away from the keyboard. Like, that whole bit where... They're talking about starving Marvin. Anybody hungry? Starving like Marvin. Starving like Marvin. Has anybody at this table ever wondered who Marvin is? I mean, the original Marvin who was starving Marvin? Was it, was it Lee Marvin? Was Lee it... Marvin. Who's Lee Marvin? Did I stutter? I was just like, oh, he, he thinks he's writing like, Pulp Fiction, yeah, but it's not funny. It's not. This will be quoted. It's it's not quippy. It's it's not interesting to listen to. I don't care. And it's not it's not like Reservoir Dogs are all sitting around talking about Madonna, mm. it's n which I think he thinks is what it is. And it's not. He's that doing a really at all. insightful cultural reading exactly. for the masses. It's just not clever. We've kind of, I guess, we've just led with the elements that we liked, which yeah. was the horse and stuff. Do you not think this one is even grosser? Mm. And this one is definitely, I feel, more violent and mean and... I don't know. Definitely. I think as we get to talk about the, the kills, maybe stuff like that, but it definitely is because I feel like this, <laughs> there's no purpose to this film. And I think the way that it hides the fact that it has no purpose is just to be really horrible. Because I found like all the strip club stuff was just disgusting. The way people talk to each other I think it's really disgusting. We said the last film was revolting, but yeah. at least though there was this pretense of almost this kind of documentary feel of charting a serial killer. Yeah, I think yeah, I call yeah. it a portrait of a serial killer. Yeah. That's why he's made. This one is, I just, is gross. I've put, is grimy, coated in blood. They mentioned necrophilia in the first 20 yeah. minutes. You get a look at the naked chick. Man, she was F-I-N-E-5. <laughs> yeah, she still looked fresh. <laughs> all the worst bits of the first film distilled. It's, uh, like we call, it's just a nasty film, man. I just feel like he's a, I get, get it. I just don't think it's very good. Mm. I get that he's going for a certain type of thing. Fair play, he's managed to make that. I think this film is utterly pointless. I think that's the thing, at least in with the first one, the thing that I had going for it is it did have the bare bones of Halloween where he tried to do something new with the kid at the start and then the end it was just like, well, the last, hour this is just halloween now mm. um, but i'm reimagining it at least there's a sort of point i can see a sort of point to that i don't think it's necessary but i can see a sort of point what is this i was looking at it thinking like what do you what do you want to say what story are you trying to tell well, here it's got to be about this connection to the mother because that's the recurring element the big yeah. motif i was going to say late motif i don't think he knows what a sort of motif is it's no. just slapped on is this white horse yeah, yeah it's the quote at the beginning of the film when laurie goes to margot kidder's psychiatrist yeah the Rorschach test it's like that's not a Rorschach test somebody's just painted a white horse in there yeah the person who makes the Rorschach test shouldn't be 
putting him in images for a laugh. <laughs> so, but I really don't really know what that stuff adds, really, because no, is because in the first one he's trying to recreate, he's trying to get back to Boo, mm. but then what's he trying to do in this two years later? Because well, I guess the mother is almost verbalizing Michael's psychology because she says, "We are done waiting. Only a river of blood can bring us back together. It's up to you." It's always been up to you, Michael. Great. So presumably that's Michael's voice, really, but articulated through this vision of his pure mother. Yeah. The The only thing that I do like, the only thread, uh, well, there's a couple of things I do like about this film, but the thread that I do like is about Laurie finding out that she is related to Michael through this book. Yeah. But I just feel like whatever they've done with Loomis in this film is so boring and terrible. Like that bit where... He's talking to his agent. Anytime when he's talking to his agent, it's just awful. Where he said, like, uh, every, when she says, Everything is kosher, as my people say. He thinks he's awesome, right? Paul Fisher. I think also in this film, I think he thinks he's making some really good satirical points about really does, yeah. that fans of horror, when yeah. he has the kind of the psycho come to the book launch. I like that scene. But I think he is satirizing. He's like, Oh, you think, you know, you yeah. love kills and all this sort of stuff, but I'm actually using this as a vessel to make some satirical points. Yeah, yeah. But I do generally, I like that thread about <laughs> about Loomis basically revealing who she is How has that book. not come out two years ago? Yeah, exactly. But also, how is he, he doesn't really seem to be involved in that. It's not like there's a thread with the sheriff is like, you better not fucking put that in the book. And it's like, it's, it's, well, it almost well, yeah, seems like he's, he's really eager to read it. It's yeah. Like, it almost seems like he's completely separate to this book. Also, I think even though he's written it. Brackett's had two years to tell Laurie. Yeah. She's gonna, she, everything she's gone through, she deserves to know. Yeah. And it is a hard thing for Laurie to find out because suddenly those killings aren't random. Yeah. All your friends die because of you. Yeah. So that yeah, brings yeah. with it a tremendous psychological weight. Yeah. So it is a good scene. I'm just going to return to like the elements a little bit. Return to how it connects. Mm. Presumably, Laurie missed her shot. Yeah. If we're presuming this Rob Zombie Michael is human, flesh and blood, he's just massive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She just grazed him. Sure. Also, the because we big have to big old guns knocked her back or something. Mm. I don't know. And then. It's obviously difficult to unpack, but I think the crash of the ambulance with the two guys discussing necrophilia, yeah, that's real. So that's how Michael gets away. It's a Welsh guy in that. Isn't Why it? is... I think it says in the film he was presumed dead. There's no body. Yeah. Like, Let's not presume he's dead, lads, is it? Has, has no one in the last two years gone, Michael Myers is still on the loose? Yeah, that's true. Because they would have found the bodies of the dead cow, presumably, and the two ambulance guys yeah one is killed in the crash the other one has his neck slipped by a bit of glass yeah maybe you think that's the crash but where's michael myers gone? i check yeah i check yeah. i just find it kind of they kind of those are big questions they've not addressed they just need him out don't they and so and michael just now drifting does he just put his mask on when he fancies now yeah because if you put your mask on people are going to recognize it and go oh it's that guy i think it's the first time we've ever seen michael myers during the day without his mask on yeah, i don't think like it. it's wrong i feel like that's um well, he breaks all the rules, doesn't he, Rob? Well, this is what we said. I th feel like there should be rules. There should be definite rules for it. We said it back in Resurrection when we saw Buster Rhymes talking through the mask. Like, you should never see someone talking through the mask, I don't think. But, yeah, it's, it's really strange. Yeah, the guy, one of the really horrible guys in the truck is a guy called Richard Brake. The one that suggests necrophilia? Yes. He's born, like, 20 minutes away from the thing. He's also, he play, he's in a bunch of stuff. He plays Joe Schill. Um, who shot yeah, in, the, does, in yeah. the Nolan films. He also played the, I think, 
for a bit in Game of Thrones. He was the big He's horrible, the isn't king, he? whatever it is, the zombie king man. Um, what's it called? The fucking the White Night King. Night King, that's it, yeah. Feels him. Uh, he's he? All, apparently, he's a really lovely guy. But he just got. He just looks like that. So You're going to get a certain type of part he's there. Always going to be a the serial leader of killer. the undead. Yeah. A necrophile. The last time I saw him. To be him, fair to him, he's not a necrophile. No, that's true. He's just he's considering it. Yeah. The last time that I saw him, he played that. In, it was in that Nicolas Cage Mandy film, and he played the one that gives him all the drugs. He plays the, the chemist. So, I mean, he just. He, he looks like he, gets he should. Rules. Yeah. He looks like he is already sort of like 50 years into a Mad Max style situation, but it's now. And it's just contemporary London. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, been, apparently he's really nice guy. You look like you're from Mad Max. Yeah. He mostly moves in next door. What's going on in there? Wait, I think he's born in Blackwood, um, where the Manix were. It's that other guy. Well. So imagine he moved into one side of you, and then on the other side is like like little spindly dude from Harry Henry Brown. Yeah, I don't want and that. And Mission Impossible. Yeah, I don't want that. don't want any of them people. One connection I thought was quite good mm. is... We actually never mentioned this in the first podcast we did. The Rabbit in Red, which is the matchbook that? that Loomis has in the car. Some people in the community are like, oh, what is the Rabbit in Red? Right. In this film, they use that as the name of the strip club where Michael Myers' mum worked, oh, Judith Myers. Oh, yeah. And it's a nice little connection. Or yeah. create, it's like we're getting to see something that I think people have speculated what it was. But then unfortunately, you have to spend time with the people in that strip club who I just think yeah. are just the most disgusting characters. I do like the fact <clears throat> that that club is obviously run by scumbags mm. who are exploiting the fact that she Michael's mum yeah, yeah. was a stripper there. Yeah, because this is what I always think when I watch Rob Zombie films. Has he met people like this? Do people like this exist? Because that scares me. That's going to my scariest you know moment what? if it is. I think total scumbags exist, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they've got to. They absolutely. Do you do. think you've ever met a total scumbag? I don't yeah. know if I have. Yeah, I can give you ten names right. Because <laughs> um, I've met people that are acted like some, dickheads. The thing is, you will. I think we've probably all almost certainly met sociopaths and things, and but, but then people who hide in plain sight. It was well. This is what I'm about to say because I know that we've definitely met people who are who have done scumbag behavior. But, oh, of course, yeah. But they also act normal. Yeah. So does that make them more scumbags? I guess it does. Yeah. Or does that make them more or less scumbags? I don't know. Because at least they know that they... To hide it. They know like, to hide yeah, it. Yeah. Whereas these stripped up people... They're just living it out in the open. They're like that 24-7. There's more dignity to that. There's more dignity to be in an open scumbag. I think there is. I no, think I mean, it generally like, is. Yeah, not, yeah. Like, this is why I am. Yeah. Not trying to hide it on press trips. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there is, isn't there? These um, Rob Zombie ones are a bit more digressive, aren't they, as podcasts? Mm. Well, yeah, because <laughs> we need to find something to talk about rather than just go, this is shite. I hate it. It's a nasty, classless film. That, yeah, that scares me that those people exist. That scares me that Rob Zombie has met people like this, though, as well. I guess he worked in the music industry that, you know, is full of nasty people. Yeah, I don't really like, I like the connection. I don't really like what happens in there. <laughs> or outside. Yeah, it's all horrible, isn't it? I just never, through all this film, I, I just, I don't think I ever had a grasp on what he was trying to do or what he was, or more like what he was trying to say. Mm. What story he had to say and what reason he had for coming back other than the first one made a shitload of money. Yeah, I think they were going to give it to someone else and then right. eventually he was like, I don't want anyone else to follow up with these characters. I think right. somebody else was going to continue his, on, make a sequel to his film. Right. And then eventually he was like, I think he was really badly burnt on the first one. He's like, I'm not coming yeah. back. And eventually he got to the point where it kind of stalled, and he couldn't bear the idea of someone else making that film. Because mm. this is a companion film. It's yeah. a two-parter, essentially, because it does try to 
It's all th- those three characters. And yeah. we'll talk about the endings later, but he does try and put an end to it and make yeah. a two-part film. I, and that's the thing. I kind of am into it as well, because if it wasn't so shite, I'm really into the idea that Laurie now lives with the, the sheriff yeah. and her, her mate. Yeah. And they've all grown, and they're all dealing with this trauma together because they've had to go through quite a lot together. And it's almost quite nice that she's dealing with that. And that's what the 2018 one does as well. Is yeah, this idea yeah, of, yeah. if you're going to make a semi-rationalized sequel to one of these films, it is about unpacking trauma. Yeah. But then also, the next part of that is confronting that trauma, which I think what the next Halloween Kills is going to be. It's, yeah. about, it's about taking on that trauma and getting yeah. rid of it. This doesn't really do this. No. It kind of just languishes in the pain of it. It really does, yeah. Which is, I think, a perfectly legitimate approach because sometimes yeah. the thing about trauma is you'd like to say people get over it and get beyond stuff. Sometimes mm. you don't, and yeah. it'll consume you. That's just not a very enjoyable film to watch. Yeah, Laurie is consumed by that trauma, Yeah, and it definitely is in some of the endings. Yeah, absolutely. What's really strange, though, is like she's consumed by this trauma. Why she got a poster of fucking Charles Manson above her bed? Would you have that? I don't think so. After what you just gone through, I that's the thing. At I, what point in the two years since you going, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna buy this massive poster of Charles Manson for my bed. Laurie, you listen to a lot of Helter Skelter. Isn't that bonkers though? Yeah, that that's there because I I what can't. Po- but then, I, with everything on the table, mm. with the ending in mind, one of the endings, it seems like Laurie has part of Michael in her. Yeah. So maybe she is. Is that to imply she is drawn to violence as well? Yeah, she maybe. she has the same genetics. She comes from a broken home. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Was the events of the first film her snapping point? Yeah. Anyway, mass ranking, eh? I'll fucking blow two holes right through your fucking mask. I've been a man. I'll take you out. You hear me? I'll fucking. I really hate the wet hair. Mm. I think it looks awful. I think. Because it is meant to be the one from the last film. It is, yeah. But just two years later, living like a homeless, yeah. drifting one. What, one thing I didn't think of the, in the last one, I didn't think it. I think it still looked like a mask. This, it really looks like it's in the band Slipknot, and I don't know why. That's spot on, though, isn't it? I've not no. even thought about that. But the last one didn't really look that. I, I was still like, oh, this is a Michael Myers thing. This really, for for me, yeah. I think it's like the dirt and the grime on it. It doesn't seem as bright as the last also, one. Also, because I think it's also the longer hair, because his hair's coming yeah. through, so it, it looks more metal. Yeah. That's what I generally felt like that it looked like that. Well, it also gets torn at one point, so you s- oh, yeah. essentially get just a big chunk of his face. Yeah. It also, what doesn't help it, I think, he's got a massive beard. Yeah, why? That comes out below it. This got me thinking, though, presumably then, has he been shaving? Before. Before, yeah. And if he's not shaving, Someone is shaving Danny him. Trejo shaving Michael Myers? I think so. I think that does happen he, to he patients be, and stuff like that. Sh- Danny Trejo has been shaving Michael, Michael Myers, Myers for yeah. the last 15 years. I think... Or 10 years. Well, I think they've got to because they've got to shave him. And I think they've just got an electric razor on him then because they can't be going near him... With blades. With blades, can they? So I think when he comes in, they've gone, right, Danny... Your job is to never let that go beyond stubble because we yeah. have to use one of those little Phillips like, yeah. and we, you can't have any blades. So I keep it tamed. You can't have any blades because you will be able to murder someone with it. Because um, you can't even have one of those ones with like the little bit sharp on them because he's putting that into someone, isn't it? I think Michael Myers could kill you with anything. Even those little but he also can do it with his hands. ones. Yeah, that's true actually. He's, he's massive. Well, he's got to time down to shave him, I guess. 
But yeah, yeah, I think that probably does happen in mental hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, I just can't imagine doing it to Michael Myers. No, you'd be shitting yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think you'd be quite scared all the time. Um, I do think, though, right, with this mask, I generally think this is the best proportioned mask mm, good to, to fit him. On him. Yeah. I think it's the best fit. I think even think it's better than one in terms of fit because it generally looks like it's an, an extension of his face. Yeah. Do I think it's good? No, but... I think proportion-wise, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm with that as well. Yeah, I think it it does fit really well. I think they've definitely modelled it on Tyler Main. I think they've generally. They must have, especially with the bit where it misses. You've exactly, got to get yeah. that looking right, or it's going to look like a mess. I think genuinely, if we can say there's any saving grace of this of these last two films, is Good mask. He has generally put a lot of effort into the mask design. Me and one. So we had it last week. We had it in at three. Right. Do you want me to go through them? Yes, please. So from worst to best, we have five, four, H2O as an entity, mm-hmm. two, Resurrection, Rob Zombie, yeah. six and one. Cool. Is this better or worse than the first zombie? It's worse, isn't it? Because it is of her worse. And it the, is worse. Does that, but is it still better than Resurrection? Because if, if that's the case, I, I know where we can put it. Is it slightly, it's still better than Resurrection, isn't it? Or do yeah. You know? Oh, Resurrection was good though, wasn't it? Yeah, is it better than two then? I, I just don't like what, mm. but with the rip. We, I think we've got to think yeah, about this with the whole, actually, because yeah. that is what this mask is. Okay, yeah, yeah, with the with the hair, with the rip, with the beard, this isn't better than Resurrection. Is it below H two O then? Oh it's, no, it's above H two O. So I think, yeah. is it below two? Is it better or worse than two? It's close, isn't it? The Mingyan Deborah Hill bed one. Is it better or worse? I think it's worse. It's worse. So it's yeah. above H two O. Yeah. But below two. Two, yeah. Okay, let's I'm happy that. with that. I think that's really good. Cool. So we've got five, four, H2O, Rob Zombie, Halloween 2. Yeah. Legit 2. Yeah. Resurrection, Rob Zombie, 6 and 1. Yeah. That's a good ranking, that is. I think it's good. And also, you know, next week we're going to get onto another weathered oh, mask. So yeah. we can have some interesting comparisons there. I'm excited for that. Put this question in here. Right. Probably more than Michael Motivation. This Michael Myers was big into masks the last film. That's right. What do you, what do you think his attitude is towards masks now? Because Flippant. it's on, off. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Do you think he's just, oh, gone off masks now? Ambivalent you? at best. He's <laughs> gone off now. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it was such a big thing for him in the last film. And now yeah. he's just been on the streets. He's like, I, I guess she wrecked it for him. She wrecked it for him when she took his mask off. He showed a little bit of weakness. And then he's like, right, don't need him anymore now. Yeah. Just but I'm still going to carry on, me. I'll wear it sometimes. Yeah. Has he got a little bag? I can't remember. Has he got a little bindle? Well, yeah, what the hell is Michael, My- Michael yeah. Myers's? Well, he's got a big pocket. Yeah. i got a jacket, to be fair. What do you reckon he's got in his bag? Well, that's the thing. I've got, a, I've got a jacket that's got a pocket that every time I put my hand in it, I'm generally impressed by how much I can fit in it. That's good. It's a, bit, it's, it's a good size pocket. Michael Myers mask? I think I could. I think you, I generally could. I think I did. I think I generally, I think I did. Yeah. I think I fit it when we were going around. So someone's got these massive bags for life that she can yeah. roll up really small when she does her shopping. That's oh, probably right, like that. Okay. Yeah. I think I did put the Michael Myers mask in the, in the pocket. That's, That's how big it is. That's pretty good. Obviously like, not, rolled up. it's not, yeah, rolled up. It's not ready to go. It's not like a head peeking out of the thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like dog a, meat. Big dog meat. Big dog meat. Well, I mean, Thing is, I feel knife, like knife, obviously knife. I I feel like he, if he wants to eat, he'll eat anything he wants because he's just like, well, I'll just kill it. I'm so not. He, I'm he's not he's been living like, oh, no, foraging. Like dog food, sorry. He's yeah. been like foraging and living on like in the wild for years, two years in the Durrett's cut. Yeah, I went to a thing recently, like a dinner that was like the the point of it was it was all foraged ingredients mm. and that. 
and big dog meat. This guy, yeah, this guy was like took, taking us around. And you know, the thing is, I, I feel like foraging is one of those activities that you're never really gonna be just half into. You know, I'd be like, oh, no, I forage it's, now and again. It's your it's, thing. It's your thing, right? And it was definitely his thing. And we walked past this tree, and he said, "That is the most di- <laughs> that is the most dangerous killer in the UK." And he pointed to it, right? And he was like, every part of that tree is, I think it was a yew tree, every part of that tree is poisonous. It's like, the leaves are poisonous. The bark is poisonous. The roots are poisonous. The wood is poisonous. Going through all this different yeah. thing, right? Bloody hell. And it was so funny. And More it, people should The know common yew, I think it was, yeah. Obviously, it was a sunny day. We'd had like two cocktails. I was taking it all in. But I mean, at no point do I think I'm going to find myself eating a eating a tree so i think i was all right this girl behind was like sorry um what was the name of the tree again she was genuinely worried and i was like well unless you find yourself eating a tree don't it's be worried about it it's not gonna come attack you she was so worried she was like oh uh, sorry like um I, I live around here do you think there's any trees around there were you eating trees here like That's generally one mad response even if a weird response even if i, I didn't even in my head i'd be like if you were that worried just don't eat any trees if you don't eat any trees, you don't got anything to worry about. Don't tell That's her, what I'm doing. Don't tell her about the bleach under a sink. <laughs> it's it a was, similar concept, isn't she, it? But she was like, uh, sorry, um, can, can you, like, I live, uh, she was like telling the guy where, where she lived in Surrey. He was like, oh, can you find any uh, trees around there? He's like, I don't know, I'd have to check. They're not on a register. <laughs> so funny. Do you know we live yeah. within 10 meters of a yew tree? Yeah. Uh, I, wish like, we, I wish we know when we moved in. She keeps hearing about Operation Yew Tree and she's like, is it coming by? It's by my house. It's like, it's a different thing. Is that why they called it Operation Yew Tree? Probably is. The the deadliest tree. The deadliest tree, yeah. That's probably what it is. Do you know paedophiles have more in common with the common yew tree (laughs) tree than anything else? But yeah, she was, I mean, I hope she never finds herself eating a yew tree because, well, she would die, but she seemed to be quite worried about the situation. I feel like she's primed herself not to now. I was like, she's definitely eating trees, man. What kind of dream? Was it a good dream or was it a bad dream? It was a good dream. A really good dream. You were dressed in all white, like a ghost. Like a really beautiful ghost. You were walking down this white hallway with this big white horse saying you were gonna come and take me back home. Mm. Wish I could take you home, honey. I miss you there. I miss you too. Mm. Whenever you look at the horse, you can think of mommy, okay? Okay. Okay. Is performance then? I like all the walking bits. I genuinely do. All the incredible Hulk bits. Dun, dun, dun. I genuinely do like all that. Also, I feel like he looks quite hot with hair and a beard and that. Yeah. Which I shouldn't be thinking. Yeah, I, again, he's got that, I think it's a phrase that they associate with David Harbour, but that like mm. big dad energy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He is like... Dad he's Harbour, Daddy Myers yeah. in this. I've not, I've not watched that Hellboy that he, he's in. I know no, it's not meant to be very good, but I mean, he is perfect for that, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, interview- he's just got that kind of... He's just massive, isn't he? Yeah. He's got big energy. Um, well, so I see Lily Allen's kids and brother walking around Victoria Park with their dogs all the time. I've never seen him walking because he's married to Lily Allen. That's what I'm so saying. he lives that. in London though. He lives in London, yeah. So um, wow. he's yeah. huge as well. Yeah, I'd love to see him walk around Victoria Park. I definitely got to say hello to him. He's so confident. Like, I feel it'd be the nice, I, feel the, I think he would be. I think it'd be all right decent, if I yeah. went out. Because especially because my dog is fucking tiny. Imagine, yeah. imagine having a picture of David Harbour with Coco. I That'll think he'd great. really enjoy it as well. I think so. We shouldn't be he's saying hot, Michael man. Myers. Is this hot Myers? He's hot. Daddy Myers? Yeah. Hot Maya summer. Also, again though, is he a bear? Stop grunting. Yeah, definitely a bear, isn't he? Stop grunting. I don't want to. I don't want to hear him grunting. I feel there's more grunting in this one than ever before. 
really. And like, also, in what, he talks in one of the cuts. I mean, yeah. he, only say, he only says die, but still. Michael, for God in hell, die! How long do you think Rob Zombie's talk to figure out what word he would say? Yeah, I mean, it's not good, is it? I would have preferred if it was something like glory. Yeah. But then the so think about this. Mm. He's not spoken for 15 odd years. Mm. They've chosen in this for him to say the word die to Loomis. Yeah. Which makes it out that, and I think some of the dialogue that's put into the mother is that Loomis is responsible for a lot of this. Yeah. Which is weird because you don't really get that in the first zombie film. Yeah, you I get guess it you get from a little Loomis's perspective, Loomis, like, yeah. I have failed you. Yeah. But yeah, you, yeah. you get that Michael is indifferent to that, really. Yeah. Because he doesn't. If that was the case, would he not be going after Loomis more in the first film? Yeah. I don't know. He's gone through a lot of stuff in these two years that we're not privy to. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a strange film, man. Was he seeing the horse in the first one and we just didn't get That's true. those image, images? I guess he just had this We were on the outside now, yeah. of Michael in the first film. Yeah. Because he had his mask on. That was protecting him from our eyes. There you go. That's what it was, isn't it? The big stuff where he has, doesn't have to do anything when he's just walking. I do think it's really good, but also... It doesn't feel like Michael Myers to me. He's walking with like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, when he's wading through that field, yeah. it isn't Michael Myers anymore. No. But or our notion of Michael Myers, this is just no. this is a very different thing entirely. I don't think we're wrong in using that as a point of criticism because in the first one he did walk like Michael Myers and mm. our perception of what Michael Myers should look like. So I don't think that's a, a bad point of criticism because in this one. He's just a different character. I think this is what maybe the zombie is doing or trying to do. And he kind of is. He's been. I love a, that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Senor I, Zombie is trying this. The director, Zombie. Well, it's a weird thing because the first film was that weird two part split where he tried to go in his own direction, do his own thing. Yeah. Then kind of had to hit all the beats of the original in this remake section. Yeah. This one is going. I'm going completely in a different direction. I'm going to be iconoclastic. Yeah. And it is him. I mean, what the ending of this movie. He kills all three main characters. Yeah. So there's nothing more iconoclastic than just <clears throat> killing all your main characters that yeah, people yeah, love. Yeah. yeah. So it's part of Michael walking, him tearing down the Michael Myers, you know, imagery. He's, going, he's, not, he's not even going to wear the mask. We're yeah. going to literally start by tearing the mask apart. Yeah. And he's going to waddle. <laughs> and have a big beard. Nights in white satin Never reaching the end Letters I've written Never meaning to send Let's talk about stupidest decision then. I've got one, but it happens in a dream sequence, so I don't fucking know what to do. Well, I put just doing a dream sequence. Yeah. But the dream sequence, right? Let's talk about that a little bit. Because it's so involved. It goes on for ages. So you're like... It's, like it's pretty much all the hospital it's stuff. Like it's 10, 15 minutes long. But there's lots of dream sequences. The thing that I don't understand, it's dream sequences, and you see bits, that you see shots, and you see things that she wouldn't know. But then I guess, do you, I can't remember a dream where, um, do you have different angles in your dreams? Oh, big time, man. Big time. So maybe, time. maybe I'm wrong then. I've but got multi-cams. It just goes on for so long. Yeah, it goes on for so long, you have to think quite a long time to go, when did it start? Mm. So, and it's also confusing because the Michael ambulance stuff is real. Yeah. Because that's how he gets out. But then we go to the hospital and it's all that is yeah. the dream sequence. I think one of the, the clues looking back is Nights in White Saturn is playing way yes. longer yeah, than yeah. that song lasts. So when you right. leave the hospital and you go to Buddy's 
little right. office. It's still playing, still playing. Okay. at the same point. I do like that. So also, another thing that's meant to alert you to it being a dream sequence is when Laurie hides in that big vat of bodies. But right. I just thought, do hospitals just not maybe have those? Oh, actually, a hospital wouldn't, would it? Because you're going to give it back to people's families. I don't know. That's true. I should have clocked that as a weirder thing than it was. I just thought, ah, oh, here's just some yeah, horrible right. imagery. Maybe, I mean... It's I a hospital, yeah. That's yes, not Daniel, our, it's a hospital, not a POW camp. That's not our failing. That's Rob Zombie's failing. Yeah. Like, that we think that that just exists as a shot in his I think in a Rob Zombie yeah. hospital, that can, room exists. We can be forgiven for that, yeah. Um, but that's weird. His film has numbed me to that yeah. kind of imagery. But anyway, which yeah. Which is my, Holocaust imagery, essentially. Uh, yeah, it's disgusting. My stupid decision is her just letting herself get locked in that little room. Oh. While the guy go gets his car, it's like, we know he has absolutely zero problem with doors and breaking through walls. Also, so why are you letting yourself be locked I in a little I just trust a man locking you in a room. Because I actually yeah. thought for a minute before I knew it was dreaming, he was like, is this guy dodgy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone, everyone is dodgy, isn't it? Everyone's a wrong and then a zombie. Um, another stupid decision, like, like having Chris Hardwick and on a TV show yeah, and Weird Al like having that happen so odd forget the fact that Chris Hardwick is a fucking bellend um, known bellend Chris Hardwick um, scumbag scumbag he, he's a scumbag this is bringing it back around but he hides it sometimes he hides it I mean and also hides it so well people are just like yeah we'll get him on shit again it's fine he had his he had six months off where we all forgot and now we've all forgotten he's a bellend so that's just so to illustrate like, yeah. the world that Loomis has got into isn't it yeah with Weird Al. I never thought that I would see a Halloween film with Weird Al as Weird Al. Winding up Loomis. What? Our next guest gained infamy as a psychologist for America's leading serial killer. Leading serial killer? I guess. Well, he's probably the most notorious. <laughs> leading? He's number one in his field. Anyway, his new book is called The Devil Walks Among Us. It's available somewhere. Please welcome Dr. Samuel Loomis. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Mr. Weird. How are you? Al's Now, you've been criticized, and in some circles, I gotta say, outright accused of profiteering off the misery of others. I mean, how do you even respond to that criticism? Well, you know, I, I think that's completely unfounded. I, uh, I always get permission when I do the parody. No, I was talking to Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 please. No, no, uh, it was fascinating, your answer. Your turn. You've got no, I'm done, I'm done. Feels like Loomis is quite easy to wind up as He's well. He's very highly skilled. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot about Loomis later. Yeah. My stupid decision is Loomis going to the standoff at the end. Yeah. Do you think you're really going to help that situation no, after 15 wind years? Up of, more, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, that is genuinely going to a fire and <laughs> chucking on a load of petrol. Yeah, yeah. I love that when he just he turns around. There's a big standoff on yeah. TV with a helicopter show. He's like, "Yeah, I'll go head down there." Yeah. I'll I'll have a chat to my old friend. I guess, it's just like, mate, you couldn't reach him when he was a kid. You're not going to be able to reach him when he's the Incredible Hulk. So I don't know what your plan is. Again, I think it's just another, even though I do think part of him, he does want to make it right. Yeah. It also does, what, gr them. what greater egomaniacal moment thinking that you can still fix it? Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm happy giving that stupid decision because that is bonkers. I know the police do try and stop him, but I don't think they try and stop him very much, do they? Because then he goes, no, don't do it. Next two seconds, he is doing it. Yeah, and in either <laughs> cut of the ending, it doesn't end well. No. Tell me you got a shot, kid. No, I can't get a clean shot. I've got one scariest moment, and I think that that is him booting out of the van. I thought that was quite scary. Mm. It did make me jump, so... 
I'm putting that in. Actually, scariest moment when the, um, yeah, when the cow comes from nowhere. That made me jump. Yeah, that was pretty horrible. I wasn't expecting the crash into that cow. That yeah. shot reminds me of when the fire engine goes into the thing in the first Fantastic Four film. Right. <laughs> you know, when he like shoulder barges yeah, yeah, yeah. the fire truck and it's Michael Chikilis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that cow reminds me of. I'm into it. Again, these are much more digressive podcasts. Yeah. Beca- yeah, because there's just not anything there, is it really? I think that's a really frustrating thing as well because from knowing Dr. Zombies, he's obviously a smart person, I think. Even though... We've said, I've said repeatedly that I don't think he, he's ever heard a human speak. It's obviously like there's something to him, and he's involved. He loves being involved in the world of horror, and I think he generally wants wants to scare people in in a in a way. But I just feel like, well, I've watched lots of your films now, and I I don't really find anything scary in them. I don't feel like you mm. put any actual scary moments in it. No, what you've done is just put really gory and it's horrible violence. bits in there, and it's violence. Yeah, it's a, this is we said it touch on the same. It's the same point from last week. Mm. These are films about violence and pain and suffering. Yeah, which is what people might think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. Yeah, but if you go watch that, you see very little violence. Yeah, absolutely. you know, it's a, it's a great sleight of hand. People think that's a really bloody film. There's barely any blood in it. Yeah, yeah. But you come away through tension. You know, like the famous scene with the grandpa and the hammer. Yeah, that's so unsettling. Terrifying. And nothing really violent happens in it no. until a point. There's nothing like that in here. Yeah. It's just him like savagely stabbing Octavia yeah, yeah. Spencer about like 17 times. Yeah. And you hear every stab wound. Yeah. Oscar winner, Octavia Spencer. I wonder if she's the only Oscar winner to be killed by Michael Myers. <gasps> Great question. We'll have to look that up after recording this episode and find yeah. out. That's a brilliant question. Because she is so famous now, it's yeah. quite disorientating when she comes on screen. Yeah, well, she. this was 2009, and then The Help came out in 2012. So she three years later, she won an Oscar. Also, that dream sequence when she comes out, and I don't think you'd act normal after being sliced in the face for that no. long. I think you'd be like, I've sliced my face. <laughs> Someone sliced my face. Because uh, also, I you're a nurse, so you're, you know what maybe to do in that situation. Do you know how much I whinge about the smallest uh, Graze. thing, grazes and things like that? When I, and like, Clara will hear about it for weeks. Like, oh, I've, got, I've been bitten. Stubbed your toe. You were going to hear about that all the time. And she's fine with it. Maybe, she I means she's made a tougher stuff than me. That's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm all right admitting that. Look. I don't think you quite understand what I'm trying to accomplish here. Well, fair enough. I don't. Please explain it to me. I would really like to understand. I'm selling the sizzle, not the steak. All right, how many killings? This is such a hard question in Rob Zombie's absolute, Halloween 2. Absolute nightmare to work out this. Yeah. So I'm going with 16 kills for Michael. Yeah. Four maybe plus in the dream, for Dream Michael. Yeah. Because if all those bodies are down in the basement. Yeah. One cow. Yeah. One car crash fatality. Yeah. One kill for Laurie and one shooting by the Haddonfield police, depending yeah. on which cut you fancy. Yeah. <laughs> she gets torn up by bullets. Um, so does Michael. Yeah. He gets shot. He's like jiggling about and stuff. Well, I think that's the thing is that I never want to hear, Chief, no sniper has a clear shot in a Halloween film. I, uh, that's never going to be scary, is it? Hearing about snipers looking for shots. Also, that's in. You, they take the sniper shot in the theatrical cut mm. and it's bracket taking it. So he's a sniper now. Great. And the graphic they use for the, the sniper site is so amateur. <laughs> like a video it's game. After effect. Yeah. <laughs> but not good after effects. I will I will say, because he's not very nice, I did like seeing Howard Boggs getting his head stomped in. So 
I suggest you take the easy road out and hit the bricks, Dorothy. <laughs> Trust me, you filthy, dirty hippie. You don't want me doing that. Copy that, Tanto. But it is disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. In a different film, though, if that's Jason Voorhees doing it in Friday the 13th, that's a laugh. In this film, it is disgusting. He's the one that's strung up. Isn't as that well, strange? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a and horrible then you see image. the face then as well. Yeah, you see, it looks like almost like a clicker and his head's exploded. That's horrible. Absolutely horrible. That's the best I got. Thing is, that kill is so extravagant. Mm. In a film with a slightly different tone. Yeah, that's what I mean. It would play, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be a fun. It would be. It could be a Jason kill. It could be. In, it could be in yeah. one of the more you know in part five. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But because it's shot and it's because also the reaction of the characters. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just awful. It's just horrible to watch. Yeah. Anything else? It's all pretty nasty stuff. It's, it's all nasty. It's all more. I think there's more stabbings in this one than the last one. Mine. Like, Lots of stabbings. Eye slashed as well. Oh, that's horrible. Because Misty Dawn, her head had bashed eleven times against. It's that, isn't it? It's not yeah. just her head is smashed into a mirror and she screams and it cuts away. It cuts away. No, eleven times. It's just unrelentingly brutal. Yeah, it's too that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Again. These aren't kills, these are murders. Yes, absolutely. But I'm, I like seeing Howard Boggs getting his head stomped. <laughs> well, I'm not going in there until you go get me a cup of PG tips with a splash of milk, and I want it sizzling hot. PG what? Mm. Tea? We don't have time. Well, survivors. Then let's talk about Loomis. Yeah, although in one version he doesn't. Down, but um, I think we've got to talk about Loomis here. I think this uh, this character is awful. How has he changed so much? I know there was maybe elements in the last film yeah. that he was. He didn't get a sense he was this much of an egomaniac. I guess maybe he's had a tiny bit of success, so it's kind of gone to his head. Because this is his second book about Michael, is it? I think he's, the one that comes out in the film is maybe his third. Right. Okay. Bloody the one hell. that he releases on Halloween. So yeah, so he's had two, he's had two Michael Myers books out. Presumably made a load of money, be, become quite famous. He's been invited on to Chris Hardwick's show. He's going on speaking tours. And this is the third one. So presumably it has gone to his head then. So what I always thought is, I know we said in previous ones with Pleasance is, I'd like to think Loomis is a good psychiatrist mm. or psychologist, whatever he is. This, you know, he has medical training. And he fails Michael because Michael is beyond saving. Yeah. Whereas in this one, he fails him. When he does the lecture, he sounds so amateurish. Yeah. Because he says, Freud would certainly have a field day with that little one, wouldn't he? <laughs> no proper physician should be saying that. No. In the first one, I feel like the stuff that he's saying is a lot more measured. And maybe that's, this is the point. And he's he's sort of run out of things to, help to say. A kid. Yeah. He feels like a proper doctor in that. What I do think is quite funny in this, and this is almost getting a little bit winky to camera, yeah. is when he says to his agent or assistant, or manager, whoever she is, 
there's a picture of him wearing Donald Pleasance's outfit, yes, which, yeah, which yeah. is the kind of the brown raincoat. Yeah. He goes, look at this. Are we analyzing oh, look, it's the wrong photograph. I mean, this is old Loomis. This is new. But it's like, oh, that increases sales in yeah. old Loomis. But this is very defiantly <clears throat> new Loomis dressed in head to toe black. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do quite like that. It's kind of a funny little reference to Donald Pleasance. I do quite like the dad showing up to the bookshop, you know? Mm. Like, I think that's a good scene because his dad, his dad, I don't think he even swears. He's not like, you motherfucker. It doesn't, it doesn't go overboard in that way. But it, it's... So does, he, does he bring a gun? Yeah, he does. But apparently, it's for some, she makes a, his agent makes a big thing of saying, oh, it wasn't loaded. Because um, in another cut, I think you can still see it, he has a cup of blood. Oh, I think he's going to chuck it right. at him, I think. That's Linda's dad, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Again, I think that's a good idea, because if you extrapolate in real world, that would happen. You yeah. are exploiting the death of my child to yeah. make money. And I guess that sort of answers the problem that I had, was the fact that he's about to reveal that Michael is Laurie's brother is not an issue to him because he doesn't count any of those people as actual humans or with Which feelings is or anything. he's so compassionate in the first film. Yeah. And I think the tragedy, if you're going to milk a new tragedy out of this, is mm. that unlike the original, I'll keep repeating myself, Michael is beyond saving that. It's pure yeah. evil. Loomis just needs to war warn everyone. Yeah. The sadness of this film is he failed Michael yeah. and therefore is responsible for all these deaths. In this, he has no remorse. No. And because he's doing all this like hook strings, he says, I'm selling the sizzle, not the steak. Yeah. I then think, was he ever a good enough doctor to have helped Michael? Yeah. And if he didn't have Probably the ability not. to help Michael in the first place, then there's no tragedy. Yeah. Because he's always been a shit, sh like, Because he was shy, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because the way that, because uh, you just go, this was never a good man. No. And surely the, the tragedy of the first film was the failure of a good man to help Michael. Yeah. Yeah, that's really bad, isn't it? Also, he's just a massive perv. Yeah. He said, what does he say to the girl, the, the redhead? Are you a real redhead? Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. Here you go. It's going very well indeed. Well so done. I can't believe that. She's like 19. That's fucking disgusting, man. Fed up with these films. And he's also <laughs> cracking on to the interview outside of the Myers house. The Myers house, yeah. Oh, he's, he's, and like his agent there is saying, this is in bad taste. We shouldn't be doing this. And he's like, nah, fuck it. We'll do it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He also says to his when I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Does he say that? Yeah. Fucking hell. It's horrible, isn't it? Let's talk about Laurie then. Because a lot of we a lot of odd stuff happens to her at the end. Depending on what cut that you watch, mm. it is different because one of them she gets shot and presumably is dead. So in 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 the theatrical cut, yeah. Loomis turns up. Yeah. Michael attacks him. Yes. Beats him, stabs him. <clears throat> Michael then gets impaled on some farm equipment again like yeah. we would had in five or six yeah a combine harvester or whatever yeah it's a weird ending for him laurie goes up to him he's about to stab her but he doesn't she takes the knife well he hands it to her i think he yeah, kind of like yeah. hands it. she takes it like stabs him and then leaves the shack with the mask on she puts the mask on which i wouldn't if there was a whole like group of police out there yeah it's really strange That's and they don't shoot her and they don't shoot her when she goes out and then it faced the same sequence that the director's cut ends with where she's yeah. in a white room and she's smiling at the vision of ghost mum and the yeah. horse. Now, in the direct cut that most people listening to this probably have watched, yeah. is how does it play out? They're in the shack. Yeah. Loomis turns up. Yeah. What happens next? He sort of stops, steps in between whatever Michael's about to do to Laurie. Michael shouts, die. 
puts a knife through him. Oh, it cuts to a shot of the ca- of the helicopter, so yeah, it all yeah, like yeah. goes quiet. Yeah, and then they fall out of the shack. Yeah, and then they shoot Michael. They shoot Michael so many times. Yeah, yeah. But then they shoot Laurie. Yeah, Laurie then comes out, picks up the knife, yeah. and someone shoots. <laughs> yeah, and so, then and then you get a final shot of them all dead. Yeah, uh, but then another final shot where she's in Back the hospital. In so it's like, is that? Her yeah. having a vision of the afterlife. I which guess is how so. You, so in the theatrical cut, maybe she's been locked up or committed. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Because if she doesn't kill, that's presumably what happens to her. Yeah. And in this one, she dies, but that's her dying vision. Yeah. It's but it's the same vision. Hell. But are we meant to think in this one? Because she's obviously traumatized by the events of a year ago or two mm. years ago. Because in one cut, she has more trauma. Like There's more scenes of her going to see Margot Kidder. Yeah. There's more scenes of her snapping at Annie. Yeah. So she's almost, in one version, she's in a much worse headspace. Yes. But the end of this film kind of implies there is a, there is a supernatural or a weird yeah. telekinetic connection between the siblings. And she might boot off as well. And she might have the same tendency that Michael did, which yeah. is... Weird, because I don't think the first film suggests that at all. No. Um, and, like, this film doesn't really until the end. It's really strange. Like, I, I think if you're looking for just an example of just how sort of charmless this is. Hey, world! Guess what? I'm Michael Myers' sister! I'm so fucked! What? Who's writing that? Who's saying that? You know, some things can just be implicit. Yeah. What's that old principle of, no, I think it's novel writing. It's like show, don't tell. Yeah. Especially when it comes to characterization. Yeah, Let a yeah. character know what they, who they are by what they do yeah, and how yeah, they yeah. treat other people. Don't just put it into their own mouth. For them to shout when they're pissed up. Yeah, it's not great, man. Um, you never really made it clear whether you believe it was nurture or nature that contributed to Michael's condition. I would like to answer it in part by quoting the great... George Bernard Shaw, with a little Loomis twist at the end. He says, in the arts of life, man invents nothing. But in the arts of death, he outdoes nature herself and produces by chemistry and machinery all the slaughter of plague, pestilence, famine, and Michael Myers. <laughs> well, Sorry, but I like that little one. <laughs> Michael's motivations, then? Only a river of blood can bring us back together. There you go. He's got a job. It's well, a video game. If that is a vision of Michael, whether we think it's real or not, yeah. if, it is, um, if it's an hallucination, what we're basically doing is giving Michael a voice in this film. Yeah. So we have an inner monologue, and mm. it's coming from his mother, who he idolizes because she's associated with this white horse, which is what the opening quote gives us. Yeah. Only a river of blood can bring us back together. So suddenly, his motivation is to rain destruction, yeah. to reunite the two people he loves with himself. I guess so. Can we read that back into the first film? That by killing all these people, he'll be reunited with his mother and his little sister. His little sister, yeah. And I guess, in a way... In the one where everyone dies, he succeeds, hmm. which is good for him. Well done. And are they, are they reunited in death? Kind of. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. And, you know, we get another <laughs> bit of dialogue from the mother we've already just touched on with Luma. She says, He's still out there, rich and famous, all because of our pain. Does Michael Myers care about the fact that someone's profited? I don't know. 
Because if he did, why has he not got him two years ago? Yeah, because yeah, presumably all the stuff that we're hearing is stuff that he thinks. But it's because he has rich and she's not uh, real. His wealth and fame. Who gives a fuck? He does are those he... concepts from Michael Myers? Well, this is what I going to say. Are those even concepts he understands? No, of course they're not. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think Michael Myers is angry that someone's got a podcast deal. Yeah, because if he was bothering, like if he cared about fame, he would have started his own Instagram while yeah. he's been on the street for two years. That would be really good, yeah. Behind the mask. I like the thing is like it's one of those ones where he goes to really famous places, but it's just got really out of focus selfie of himself. You ask me. I mean, that's what I'm doing with the mask. You ask me at Stonehenge. <laughs> and he speaks as well. Die. That's all he wants. Again, I think a more interesting bit of dialogue would have been Laurie or something. <clears throat> I don't know. Die. I guess that is his manifesto. Lumis. Unleashing a river of blood. Weirdly biblical language as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Enoch Powell. <laughs> it's, it's, it's odd, man. But, uh, you know, for at least he's, we kind of know what he's doing, but not really. I mean, this is the most definite Michael Myers motivation we've ever had. Yeah, that's true, actually. It's almost in his own words. Yeah, that's what he wants, and that's what he's doing. And he's going about it. I mean, he does. Yeah. There's a lot of kills in this, mate. Is it pure evil, though? I don't know. I think in this, is he slightly supernatural? Which Fucking is. Who knows, man? He's definitely not pure evil because this is another point. At the end, Laurie and Michael are having a shared hallucination. <sighs> because she and both Michael can see the younger version of himself holding her down. Yeah, that's true. Because when Loomis comes in, he goes, Nothing is holding you, Laurie. Yeah, she's like, He's holding me down. He's holding me down. Yeah. So I definitely don't think he's pure evil. Subtle, that's not, but I think he might be a little bit supernatural. I don't care. <laughs> On the next episode, we're pretending like nothing but the first film existed with David Gordon Green's Halloween. The Definitive Companion is made by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about things we love, including manifestations of pure evil. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.